Would you turn with me, please, this evening in the Bible to Romans, the fifth chapter? We've been ministering on Friday evenings for several weeks now on the subject of reigning in life. Reigning in life. Let's read in our text and go further tonight. We'll review a little bit. Release our faith. Kind of quiet tonight, huh? I know we got several people out on vacation and that kind of thing. They better get the tape because it's going to be a good one tonight. <laughs> or the CD, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh, let's pray first, then we'll read this. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and faithfulness to us. We love you. We love your word. We love your spirit, and we say, Lord, uh, we yield to you this evening, and we say, ask, give everybody eyes that see and ears that hear and a heart that receives. Let there come revelation, light, truth that makes free, answers to questions, solutions to problems, wisdom and direction for now. And we purpose not to be hearers only, but by your grace to be doers And we know as we do, we will be blessed. We thank you in advance for taking us up higher, stronger and better, freer to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Romans 5 and verse 12. Romans 5, 12. He says, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned. Death did what? Reigned, or you could say it ruled, from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who's the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded to many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses under justification. For if by one man's offense or sin, death reigned, By one, much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Because of sin, death reigned. But because of Jesus, the abundance of grace and the gift, free gift, Of righteousness, we are supposed to what? Reign. Reign. Just when we get to heaven? No. In life. Reign in life. Are we supposed to rule and reign in life? Yeah. 
If you've been with us, then uh, you know that we went back to the beginning in Genesis. And we saw where the Lord specifically said that he created man to rule. We were made to reign. Right? That's never changed. We were created to have dominion and to rule and to reign. But because of sin, Adam and Eve sinning, they bowed their knee to a foreign god. And the enemy began to reign in the authority. God didn't give that authority to the devil. He gave it to man. But man gave it to the enemy. So much so that now Second uh, Corinthians 4.4 4 calls Satan the god of this world. That doesn't please God. But that's what man did. You know, uh, when the Lord gives you something, he really gives it to you. Right? If you choose to abuse it, you can. Uh, You know, you'll see people in different walks of life with different talents. Uh, Sometimes, you know, people that are not saved and maybe doing something very, very wrong with their skill, their ability. Well, God gave them that talent. He gave them that ability, but they're prostituting it. They're using it for evil. They're using it for wrong. Oh, and God can bless you and, and give you money or give you opportunity. You can do good with money or you can do evil with money. Right? It's not the money that's evil. The Bible said it's the love of it. It's the covetousness that's the problem. So we went back and we saw that. And we saw how that Jesus came and got back what Adam lost. And we saw Jesus where death had been reigning. Jesus came and he reigned in his earth walk. Didn't he? He exercised dominion and control over demons. Over sickness and disease. Over the elements of nature, the wind and the waves. He spoke to trees and they obeyed him. And the thing that so many have not seen, he did not do that as God. He did it as a man. As our example. Right? So many times you hear people preaching, they say, you know, Jesus, he uh, spoke to the winds and waves. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. Why? Because he's God. He walked on the water. Why? Because he's God. That leaves a wrong impression. He is God. He did do those things. But he didn't do those things as God. He did them as a man. Did you hear me? Philippians says that he emptied himself. One translation said he laid aside his mighty weight and power and glory. He became like other men. And he did what he did as a man anointed with the Holy Ghost. If you didn't believe that, how could you believe scriptures like John 14 where he said, He that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall it do. How could you believe that if he did them as God? I'm not God. You're not God. How are we going to do them? But if he did them as a man, anointed with the Holy Spirit, and he'd anoint us with that same spirit and authorize us with his name, then we see the glorious possibility and responsibility to do the works he did. What? How many understand you walk like he walked, you're going to have to be ruling and reigning. Right? He was not under the enemy's control. He walked in dominion. 
And that is the call and the inheritance and the privilege of every born again, blood washed, spirit filled, Jesus name authorized, word of God speaking, child of God. That's me. How about you? That's, that's us. Then we are to rule and reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Well, uh, without going through, you know, everything that we've touched on already, go with me, please, to the, uh, the book of Acts and the 19th chapter. And let's touch on another area of reigning in life. And this is one of the biggest. Acts 19. How many believing with me this evening now? Did you know that there are some luncheons that you can have more fun than other luncheons? There are some gatherings at homes with people that you can have a more glorious time than others. Did you know that there are some meetings that you can have a much better time than at other meetings and services? Why is this so? God does not change, right? His word does not change. His spirit does not change. Well, then why is it variable? It's according to the people that's there. Do you know that? It's according to the people that's there. Uh, Some people are yielded to the Holy Spirit and some are hard-headed, stubborn, right? And there are varying degrees of this all up and down. Some want to know what God has to say and do and others have already made up their mind what they want to do, right? Some are open and some are not. Some believe and some don't. Some are receptive and some are not. And so, you know, if 90% of the folk are hard-headed and non-receptive, that's going to affect the service. It's going to affect the meeting, right? But if 90% of the people are hungry and bring faith and respect for God, then they'll just kind of run over the 10% that don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? By, you, don't, you don't have to have 100%. <laughs> just a goodly portion. Hallelujah. Have you found the book of Acts? In Acts, the 19th chapter, I'd like for you to notice with me a a situation, a thing that happened, and then let's talk about what happened and why it happened. I'll tell you what. Hold your place there. And just back up a couple of pages. Sometimes you need to know what happened before. That led up to this. Go to Acts 16 and you'll see. uh, This will give you some background on what happened. Acts 16. The Bible said in verse 16. Acts 16, 16. Paul and his company are on a great outreach mission. Preaching to people that have never heard the gospel before. And verse 16 It came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel 
possessed with the spirit of divination, Metis, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Now, soothsaying has to do with fortune telling, uh, mediums. Oh, people would probably call it today psychics. Did you hear me? You even hear some Christians bless their hearts. <laughs> Brother Hagin used to say, bless their darling heart and stupid head. That was a favorite saying of his. <laughs> You're a Christian talking about, I think I'm psychic. That's ignorant. There's no telling how many Christians have called psychic hotlines. We like to think, no, but I'm telling you, it's terrible. It just shows how ignorant people are of the word and of God and of who he is and who they are. Why in the world would we seek to the dead for future information when we have inside of us the spirit of the living God? Why in the world would you seek to known liars? How many of the devil's a liar? And all of his spirits are lying spirits. Why would you seek to liars when you got the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of truth living inside you? But it's because people don't know who they are. They don't know who God is. They don't know who is living in them. I never read my horoscope. Did you hear me? If I want to know something, I know who to go to. Did you hear me? I've never had my palm read. Don't need to. Right? If I want to know something about my life and about my future, I know who to go to. And it's not you. Did you hear me? It is no man. I know who to go to. Right? I don't need to call a psychic. (laughs) You just wish people knew better. Right? But here is a young girl who's got a spirit. Not the Holy Spirit. Wrong spirit. And by this spirit, she is fortune telling. And they're making a lot of money. People paying the owners of this, I guess she's a slave to these people. They're paying these folk a lot of money for her to tell them their fortune, tell them their future. And the same followed Paul and us and cried saying, these men are the servants of the most high God, which showed us the way of salvation. Now let's just stop right here. Was that true? Yeah, but who wants the devil testifying for you? (laughs) Now, what's going on here? This little girl is yielded to a wrong spirit and prophesying and wanting the people to think that it's all from the same source. Did you hear me? And that's one of the devil's favorite things. 
He tries to pass off his self. The Bible said that his, uh, his representatives passed themselves off as ministers of light, as angels of light. And he tries to, he's a deceiver, you understand. Anything that God has, he tries to mimic and have a false, you know, copy of it. So that's why we got the Bible and that's why we've got the Holy Spirit. You're to judge everything. You're to judge every word that comes out of my mouth. Did you hear me? You're to judge every word that comes out of every preacher's mouth, every prophecy, every tongue, every interpretation, every vision, every dream. I don't care who they are, how much you love them, how much you think you respect them. I don't care who they are or how much of a spectacular experience they had. Do not just swallow it. Take it to the book. Did you hear me? And check it by your own heart. Are you with me? Somebody says, yeah, but they're a prophet. Well, prophets can miss it. Did you hear me? I didn't start this yesterday. And I've seen a number of things just in my few years walking with the Lord. I have seen prophecies that started out God. And the middle of it was a mixture of that person and the Lord. And the last part of it was just them. Did you hear me? I'm going to say, well, how can that be? I mean, if it's prophecy, it's God talking. Well, yes and no. It's a man or a woman expressing what they're getting in their heart. You can get it right and express it wrong. Or you can dismiss it entirely. Are you with me now? It's sad. I know people that have ruined part of their lives acting on somebody's prophecy. So-and-so told so-and-so, thus saith the Lord, you're supposed to marry so-and-so. Thus saith the Lord, you're supposed to be a missionary over here. Thus saith the Lord. And it's sad. You just feel for people because a lot of baby Christians, they gravitate to where they think somebody's going to prophesy to them. And their whole thing is sitting there hoping somebody will notice me and call me out or give me a special word or this and that. That's being a baby. Did you hear me? And you got your eyes on men. People don't like to think so, but you do. God can talk to you directly. That's the best way. And if he does say something to you through somebody else, you still should check it by the Bible and by your own spirit, by your own heart. And if somebody gets huffy and say, huh, are you going to judge my prophecy? You say, absolutely. <laughs> and if somebody gets huffy about it, you know you got a problem. I served under Dr. Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, for 20 plus years. I believe he stood in the forefront of the prophet's ministry in his ministry. If you know anything about him and know about his ministry, you'd probably agree. And after 60-some years of exercising in the gifts of the Spirit, multiple visions of the head of the church, major revelation, I was with him, you know, year after year after year. This is how he'd talk. 
He'd say something. Thus saith the Lord. Or he'd say to somebody, you know, the Lord is showing me this. And I mean, almost every time he'd get to, he'd say, now, if that doesn't bear witness with your spirit, just forget it. This is after six decades of experience. Did you hear me? He'd tell people nearly every time. Now, if that doesn't bear witness with your spirit, just forget it. You judge it. Well, how much more these young whippersnappers that started talking in tongues yesterday? (laughs) And they're so adamant about, God told me. Not open. Well, you understand. That's another subject. That's another series. But apparently somebody needs to hear it tonight. Don't take what any man or woman says and just swallow it hook, line, and sinker. Check it out. Number one, with the Bible. If it disagrees with any part of this book, you just reject it. Right? And check it with your own heart. Check it with your own heart. Because if it really was the Holy Ghost, you got the same Holy Spirit living in you that I do in me and that any other man or woman of God has in him. It's not two or three or fifty Holy Ghosts. There's one Holy Spirit. Right? And if it really is him, you're going to have a witness in your spirit about it. You'll be thinking, yep, 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 right. Usually God's already dealing with you about it. Right? And it's a confirmation. And prophets and prophetesses under the new covenant do not have the same place that they did under the old. Under the old covenant, People did not have the Holy Ghost individually indwelling them. People went to prophets and priests to get direction under the Old Testament. Under the New Covenant, that is not what you should do. Did you hear me? Because now we all have the Holy Spirit, right? We all have Him living inside us. So those ministries now are more confirmational than in the Old Testament they were more directive. Have you found Acts 16? You have. We were reading it, right? And you're still holding Acts 19. Is that right? Ah, y'all are sharp. But uh, the devil's testifying about Paul's ministry. And verse 18, this she did, what? Many days. Many days. And Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And boy, it made those guys mad because she couldn't tell fortunes anymore because this thing was gone. And they had a big uproar about it. But let's just stop right here. She did that how long? Many days. Many days. days. Now, why didn't Paul stop that the first day? The first time this spirit piped up through this little gal and starts prophesying, and he knew it wasn't right the first time he heard it. Why did he let it happen? And why did he let it happen the next day? And the next day? And the next day? And the next week? And the next day? It happened. It went on and on and on for many days. Isn't he a man of God? Doesn't he know God? Doesn't he have faith? Does he know he's been made the righteousness of God in Christ? Does he know about ruling and reigning in life? God used him to pen our text, you remember. 
Right? Certainly he knows. But he also knows what a lot of people have not yet understood. That's what I want us to get to tonight. It seems like so many Christians get in one ditch or the other when it comes to exercising authority and reigning in life. You got so many Christians in a ditch on one side, they believe it's all up to God. I have nothing to do with it. It's all up to him. They don't try to exercise authority. They would never speak to a fever and tell it to go. They would never speak to anything. They don't believe that. They have no revelation of it. They believe it's all up to God. Well, then you got some folk, though, that get out of the ditch on that side of the road and they go all the way across the road and in the ditch on the other side and believe it's all up to us. Did you hear me? That it's all up to me to do everything and I can do it when I want to, as I want to. There's a middle of the road where the truth is. Right? I'll make this statement and then we'll clarify it as we go along. You cannot successfully separate faith from being led by the Spirit. You cannot successfully separate Exercising authority from being led by the Spirit. People have tried and they failed and it's caused a lot of confusion. And it's brought reproach. That's why some people think that they don't uh, believe what we believe or they don't agree with what we teach and preach because there have been people that jumped up on a, uh, I'm thinking of a case right now, jumped up on a, table in the middle of a restaurant and tried to rebuke and bind a bunch of stuff and nothing happened except everybody got uncomfortable. Did you hear me? And they said, well, that's one of those nuts from that faith church. I'm thinking of a case right now where somebody went into a hospital room and grabbed somebody's hand and uh, commanded them to rise and be healed and jerked them out of the bed. And they fell in the floor in their hospital gown. And nothing happened except people being embarrassed. Right? And maybe hurt. And yet it doesn't do away with the fact that we have authority in Jesus' name. Right? Right? Doesn't do away with the fact that God's a healer. Right? Right? So what's the answer? But do you understand what I'm saying? we got people that go to two extremes on this. They either say, well, I'm not. Don't have to worry about me. I'm never doing anything like that. Well, if the Lord tells you to, you better. Right? Right? But what's the final analysis? Well, somebody didn't hear from God. Somebody missed it. Now, people try to explain things away. But what it boils down to is somebody missed it. Now, you don't have to raise your hand. But has anybody ever missed it? In these areas, I have. I have. I've done some things, and I I thought I was being faith man. (laughs) But in my ignorance and in my immaturity, I was wrong. I just missed it. This will help you understand why Paul didn't take care of this the first day. But the Lord did enable him to take care of it. Right? And how did he do it? He didn't do it with prayer. Right? He exercised authority. 
didn't he? And he spoke the word of authority and he told that thing in her to shut up and get out of her and leave and it did. But how many understand he wasn't just a talking? Well now go with me over to the 19th chapter and you'll see why we went through that. Why we gave the history of it. Because this got out. I mean this little girl's Fortune telling abilities was widely known. I mean, it was a, these guys made a, in order for them to make a bunch of money, a lot of people had to come to her. Right? Right? So this was widely known. And of course, when Paul cast the devil out of her, it was widely known. It got around. I mean, there was a uproar in the city over this deal. It got out what Paul did. And in the 19th chapter, Acts 19, verse 11 and 12, describes some things that are continuing to go on. Acts 19, 11 and 12, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought to the sick handkerchiefs, or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Now here we see similar results by a different method. In these cases, he didn't speak to the spirit. Sometimes people make all kind of rules. They say, well, a spirit has to be discerned and has to be cast out. No, it does not. Not in every case. In this case, a cloth came in contact with a person's body that was oppressed with a spirit. And when that cloth contacted them, the spirit left. Nobody had to discern anything or say anything over them. You got to watch about making a bunch of rules. Right? I get excited about this principle. I call it the law of displacement. When God comes in, devils run. You understand, when the anointing is manifest, they head for the hills, buddy. I mean, they, they can't stay. They can't take that glory. They can't take that power. And you don't have to go through a big rigmarole with it. That's one reason, you know, I'm talking about some of these things too. I'm believing that God's just cranking up the power, cranking up the power. And so people will just drive in on the parking lot and be healed. Right? People just sit in here in the service and bondages leave them. Right? And who gets the glory? God gets all the glory, as it should be. Now, we'll still lay hands on people. We'll still pray for people. But, you know, laying on of hands and prayer are just a couple ways. God has many ways of ministering to people and dealing with people. But here, these miracles are happening through these cloths. And verse 13 says, Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, What are they? I guess this is their occupation. Maybe this is their title. Exorcist so-and-so. Took upon them. Notice what it did. The Lord tell them to? No, they took this on themselves. To call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus. Saying... We adjure you by Jesus. You know the one Paul talks about. (laughs) And there were seven sons 
of one Siva, a Jew, and chief of the priest, which did so. So these guys were uh, prominent so-called ministers. Their father was well known. And they, they endeavored to do this over somebody that actually did have some devil problems. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know. Paul I know. <laughs> but who are you? <laughs> and the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them, seven of them. And prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Wow. That didn't go so good. It's sad that even among Christians, you find so much mysticism and superstition. And people looking for the right phrase. They're looking for the piece of wood from the cross. They're looking for maybe a little snip of the shroud. Some blessed oil or some blessed this or that. Someone said, well, Paul used a cloth. Nothing is said about blessed cloths. So a lot of times people don't even know what was going on here. Paul was anointed. People today are anointed too. And cloth will act like a storage battery for anointing. Cloth can be saturated by anointing. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? Pressed through the crowd and touched what? She didn't touch Jesus' skin. What'd she touch? She touched the border of his clothes. And because he was anointed, his clothes were saturated with that anointing. And that anointing flowed out of him, out of that cloth, into her. That's why you see us sometimes taking cloths, laying hands on them. But we don't advertise... Send us an offering and we'll send you a blessed cloth. Did you hear me? No. Mysticism. Suspicion. And see, a lot of people, all they know about the name of Jesus, they look at it like it's some kind of magical incantation. Hocus pocus. Abracadabra. In the name of Jesus. And so that's what these guys tried to use. They thought well we found the phrase. Right? And how many understand it and they've heard of situations where Christians bless their hearts and their immaturity. They're looking for somebody that's got the phrase or the object or something. It's suspicion. It's mysticism. Because according to even the enemy what was this about? It was about who knew who they were, who knew God, and who didn't, who knew who they were, about knowing. Everybody say knowing. 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 This is not about 
pushing the right button, flipping the right switch, pulling the right lever. See, people get into works even with confession. Well, how many times do I have to say it, Brother Keith? It ain't about how many times. Say it till you believe it. Right? How many times do I have to give an offering before something starts working? Well, how many times before you start believing? You know, it's not about going through the motion of a thing. You can go through the motion of a thing and have nothing happen. People are proving that by the millions all over the earth. It's about knowing your God. Knowing who He is. And knowing who you are in Him. No, everybody say knowing. knowing. Hold your place here and go over to Timothy, please. Second Timothy. Oh, thank you, Lord. We're getting somewhere. Second Timothy. Now, don't take anything that you hear me say here tonight about these things and feel like that you're supposed to go correct somebody. <laughs> right? You're the one that's here. Right? This is for you. Second Timothy. One twelve. Second Timothy one twelve. He said, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless I am not ashamed. Second Timothy one twelve. For I what? I know. Whom I have believed and am what? Persuaded. Persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed to him against that day. Take these two things now. I know and I'm persuaded. Right? Now notice he didn't say I know the scriptures. I know the formulas. I know the nine steps. No, I know what? Whom the person, right? The person. Oh boy, I'm tempted to get into some stuff. (laughs) It might rock some people though. Beware, beware of all the things. That promise you answers through formulas, intricate figuring out of things. Beware. It's not about you committing scripture to memory. I've met people that could quote scripture right and left, just full of the devil. I'm serious. I mean, Religious people are some of the meanest people on the planet. Man, they'll kick you. They'll hurt you. They'll backstab you and give you three scriptures why it's okay. (laughs) And don't know God. Don't know God. You know, in Jesus' day, some of the most influential and well-known and prominent religious leaders of his day, he told them, you can hear the... Almost angst in his voice when he says, search the scriptures. You think you have life in them and they testify of me and you won't come to me. Remember reading those things? He said, you're quoting scripture all the time and they're talking about me. 
And here I am. We'll see how many understand that's happened many times since then. People talk about scriptures, talk about things, and then the Holy Ghost show up and they go, oh, no. We're not into that. (laughs) Oh, no. Actually meet the Lord, you know. What that meant is they didn't know him. Now, how did Paul know not to start trying to yell and rebuke and bind the first day? How did he know that? How did he know not to do it the second day? How did he not know not to do it for two weeks? How did he know for many days not to jump up and scream, I bind you in Jesus' name? And how did he know on the day when it was time to do it? There's only one way. You walk with the Lord. You talk to him every day. And he listens to you. He talks to you. And you listen to him. That's the only way. If anybody ever comes out with a 1,000 volume set of what to do in every situation in life, save your money. Don't buy it. There's only one way to know. You're never going to get enough tape series and enough books, the 85 steps to this and the 12 steps to this and 9 steps to this and 5 keys to this and 48 keys to this. You're never going to get it all. What to do in every situation in life, there's only one way, one way, one way. One way, that's why Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm not going to leave you helpless. I'm going to send you another comforter. He's going to take of mine and show it to you. And everything I've said to you, he's going to bring to your remembrance. He's going to lead you and guide you into all the truth and show you things to come. That's why I ain't got to call the psychic hotline. He shows me things to come. Glory to God. But you understand why I'm talking about this tonight in connection with this teaching. You cannot successfully separate Ruling and reigning in life, exercising authority and dominion from being led by the Spirit. Man, they go hand in hand. They go together. When do I stand up and rebuke that? How do I curse that? When do I say it? When do I sit back and not say anything? The answer to a million questions is be led. led. People don't like that answer. They They think it's a bad answer. They think somebody's trying to avoid them. But it is the answer. And I thank God that he's given us enough light that we in this church, we are not growing a big church full of babies. Where that you think I have to tell you what to do in every situation. I know of groups where the leader is prophesies to people which tie to wear. Don't wait on me to tell you it's tied away. Yea, thus saith the Lord, buy the Chevy, not the Ford. Or forget them both and get the Dodge. Or not. Now listen. Now I know, I know it sounds funny, but there are so many groups where that is the whole heart of the group. 
It's all focused around an individual or two or three or four or five. And all of it is about these individuals are more spiritual than everybody else. And they hear from God and they know they're going to tell you what to do. And they're going to prophesy to you and give you a tongue and interpretation, friend. Run from it. Run from it. Run from it. Did you hear me? And if you hear that there's a group like that out of Faith Life Church, you heard a lie. Here... We're learning how to hear from God for ourselves. Is that right? We're learning how. Now, if somebody got born again yesterday, they are a baby. We're going to help them. We're still not going to tell them who to marry. Did you hear me? Or which car to buy. But we're going to help them more than you are somebody that's been walking with the Lord for a year or two. But friend, we must grow to where we know. The preacher can't be with you at night and day. He can't be with you everywhere you go. He's not going to be there at two in the morning when something happens and the phone rings necessarily. Oh, but God is. How many stand? I think you know. There is no man. There is no woman that knows everything you're supposed to do. So don't go to him. I said, don't go to him. Don't go to him. Go to God. If a man or woman has something good to give you, you know where they got it? If it really is good, they got it from God. Same God that's in you. Can you go direct to the source? Yes, you can. And that's God's ultimate will for you. So that you're not dependent on somebody else. You can help other people. Can you say amen? How come me to say all this tonight? Said out loud, thank you, Lord. I can be led for myself. I know you. I trust you. I'm persuaded. Hallelujah. In exercising authority, if I had time, or the Lord led us, we may just take some time and look at some of these anyway. Individuals in the Bible that moved in great authority, Jesus being the most prominent example, are people who knew God, the Father. And I mean, they didn't take a step without awareness of his direction for what to do. They didn't just jump up and bind and loose. They didn't just jump up and do this or do that. They're working with him, hand in hand Every step. You know, turn with me please to the book of John and get ready to look at this. But concerning money, I heard Brother Hagin in working with him, he claimed a one-time offering of a million dollars to come into Kenneth Hagin Ministries, Ramah. And I was with him over a number of years, and I, you know, meeting after meeting, I'd hear him say it. There's going to come in a one-time offering, one million dollars, and months passed and years passed, but one day, here it came. Two cashier's checks, five hundred thousand apiece. I know that makes a million, don't it? He began to say after that, well, you know, everybody shouted and rejoiced and thanked God, and of course it helped the school tremendously, and he said. Uh, Somebody's going to come give us one-time offering, two million. One-time offering, 
$2 million. And I was there for years. Everybody say years. Years. years meeting after meeting. I'd hear him say it. Somebody's going to, you know, sow to the ministry. A one-time offering, $2 million. I was uh, monitoring his class with him because sometimes when he wasn't there, I'd teach in his absence. The morning it came in the mail. <laughs> I saw him right after it came in. He came to the speaker's room and I was sitting there waiting on him. And uh, he told me about it. Man, we shouted. <laughs> Glory to God. Two million dollars. And it wasn't a so-called faith check. Hallelujah. It was the real deal. <laughs> There ain't no such thing as writing a faith check and the money's not in the bank. There's no such thing. That's called a hot check. Bad check. Got nothing to do with faith. <laughs> and the authorities will sh- agree with that. They'll tell you that. But uh, that day when... Uh, after, you know, he walked out and after the class and everything and I was leaving, I was praising God again. Thank you, Lord. Two million dollars. One time. And the Lord asked me, he said, what are you saying? What are you saying? I thought, hmm. <laughs> well, not much. And I began to stir myself up. Well, I'm supposed to be saying something too. Do you understand you're supposed to be saying something? Yes, sir. Well, somebody said, I'll just go ahead and say two million myself. Why didn't he say it the first time instead of one? And I know prior to that, he said 10,000. Did you hear me? When it came in, it's the biggest thing they'd ever gotten. They actually made a copy of the check and put it on the wall. $10,000 check. Why didn't he just say 10 billion Instead of going through all that. Now, do you understand why I'm saying this? Because you cannot successfully separate faith from being led by the Spirit. And do you see why people mess up? Because they just say stuff off the top of their head. They just try stuff and there's no faith in it. There's no unction in it. There's no power in it. And then people say, see there, that's just a bunch of junk. That don't work. Well, the Bible's true. It works. It's there. It's just that people don't understand it. And they're not walking in it. But how do you know to claim 10,000 right now? How do you know? What's right for you? There's only one way. A living fellowship with your Father God. A communion with Him in prayer. And you know in your spirit what's right for you for now. He knows where your faith is at. Right? And He'll help you to see where your confidence level is at. And that is the answer to a million and one questions. Do I go to the doctor? Do I not? Do I take the medicine? Do I not? Do I have the surgery? Do I not? Do I get the loan? Do I not? What do I do? People say, well, God can do anything. Why do I have to do that? You don't receive, and I don't receive according to what God can do. We receive according to what we can believe, according to our faith. Who knows where we're at in faith better than anybody else? The Holy Spirit who lives inside us. Right? And if we listen to him, he'll let us know. This is what's good for us for now. This is where we can stand. Can you say amen? Amen. Where are you holding your place at now? Thank you, Lord. Mm. John, fifth chapter. Let me read a few of these to you and then 
I think we'll be ready for something else. John 5, 17. John 5, 17. See a pattern here. Jesus answered them and said, My Father works hitherto, and I work. We just recently read John, didn't we? Did you notice how many times Jesus talks about the Father? I mean, it was the Father, the Father, the Father this, the Father says this, the Father did that, the Father, the Father. That's how Jesus talked. How should we talk? Should we talk more about us? Yet that's what happens. He said, the Father works hitherto and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, the Son can what? Can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do, for what things soever he does, these also doeth the Son likewise. Do you know Jesus never took credit for one miracle? Jesus never took credit for one healing. He never took credit for one deliverance. He never took credit for one good message. Never. You know what he always said? The Father. The Father in me, he does the works. My doctrine's not mine, but it's his that sent me. Is he just trying to be humble? No. No, that's reality. Right? That's how it was. Now, people don't even believe this. But how many believe what Jesus said? He said, I can of myself do not one thing. What could he do because he was Jesus? What did he say? See, most people don't even believe that. But he said it. So how's he doing these things? Did he exercise authority? Oh, my. He commanded fevers to leave. He commanded the dead to rise. He commanded the wind and waves to cease and be still and quiet. Devils to leave. Obeyed him, obeyed him, obeyed him. But he said, everything I did, I saw the Father do. Everything I said, I heard him say. How did he see it? How did he hear it? It was through his constant fellowship with the Father. He's walking with the Father. He's seeing what to do. He's hearing what to say and he's just acting on it. And when he does, there's power. There's anointing. There's results. Is it going to be any different from you and I? In the same chapter, skip on down just a few verses to the 43rd verse. He said, I am come in my father's name and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. If somebody comes, how? Did Jesus come in his own name? He said, you better listen to me because I'm Jesus. I mean, if anybody could have said it, it would have been him. Did he say it? No. He said, I did not come of myself. I did not send myself. I am not speaking of myself. I'm not doing what I want to do. The Father, the Father, he sent me. He told me what to say, right? Giving all the glory to the Father. He said, you don't receive me. He said, but if somebody comes in their own name, you'll receive him. How can you believe which receive honor one of another and seeks not the honor that comes from God only? 
Now listen carefully, and you'll really get something that'll help you to discern between truth and error, between what is God and what is not God. Those in error always draw attention to flesh. Always. They always draw attention to my gift, my ability, my revelation, my vision. It's always emphasis on the flesh. You know, when the Spirit of God manifests, the Bible said the Spirit of God would not even speak of himself. But what he hears, that's what he speaks. Jesus didn't speak of himself. Turn over to the seventh chapter. I could quote it to you, but look at it. Let your eyes rest on it. The seventh chapter of John. John 7 and verse 15. Verse 15, John seven fifteen. the Jews marveled and they said, How knows this man letters having never learned? These people were scholars. They had multiple doctorate degrees in theology. They were considered the experts. And when they heard Jesus speak, they were impressed. They thought, where'd he go to school? And then they found out he didn't. How does he speak? Where did he get that? How does he speak like that? And finally, I guess it was so strong, they asked him personally. They said, uh, where'd you get all this? How'd you learn how to talk like this and speak like this? Now, if that would have been many people today, you know what they'd have said? Well, I had to pay a price. It was hard. I burnt the midnight oil. Man, I studied. While others were playing, I was praying. What is that? Well, now go to the very next one. Verse 18, 17 goes with it, but verse 18 He describes it. He that speaks of himself is doing what? Seeking whose glory? If you're talking about yourself, are you seeking God's glory? No. Whose glory are you seeking? Oh, friend, I just believe in you getting this. People do it under the guise of talking about God, but really they're talking about their self. My vision My revelation, my this, my that, and any time that somebody keeps talking about, you know, me, me, what I can do for you, and what I have, and what I have, they are seeking their glory, not seeking God's glory. The servant's not above his master. The highest place we could ever aspire to is being like our master, right? And how did our master operate? He said, it's not me. I don't have it. I just say what the Father gives me. Right? The works I do, I I didn't do of myself. In fact, I can't do one thing of myself. Who said that? Did Jesus really say that? I can't do one thing. Want to see, that proves he's operating as a man. What we talked about earlier. Oh, but did he operate? (laughs) 
He didn't say, I can't do anything. He said, I can't do anything of myself. Oh, but in walking with the Father, is he hearing things? Is he seeing things and acting on them and miracles are happening? Ruling and reigning, sickness go, spirit shut up and leave, peace be still, rise and walk, right? Can we operate in that kind of thing? It's our destiny, it's our call, but you won't do it just with five steps and using the name of Jesus like hocus pocus. It's a matter of knowing him, right? And we're all growing in this, aren't we? We're all growing in this. Think about Jesus' ministry. There was a time in John. You remember the pool of Bethesda? Five porches full of sick people. I mean sick people everywhere. He walks out there. He ministers to one man and leaves. What about the rest of them? Well, there are other times when he's preaching and teaching. And they brought multitudes. And as many as to everyone that touched got healed. But the Lord sending him to do a thing, he was led by the Spirit. Jesus, why didn't you heal the rest of them? He would tell you he didn't do it himself. What would he tell you? Only do what I see the Father do. I only say, and what? He directed him to go to that one. Thank you, Lord. He's our example. There is no better. Right? There is no other true example. Without turning to it, Jesus said in John 8, he said, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, you'll know that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. I do always those things that please Him. He says it over and over and over again in different words that he was completely dependent on the Father for every part of his ministry. Now go with me to the book of Joshua, and I'm, uh, I'm thinking about quitting. How many know some dishes just take longer to cook than others? <laughs> some things you can throw some water in there and whip it and throw it in the microwave and it's done. But other things just don't come together that quick. And, of course, some cooks are slower than others, too. <laughs> Somebody said, which one is it, Brother Keith? Well, I'll let you decide. In Joshua, the 10th chapter. No. Not quite through. Go to Genesis 18. Then we'll go to Joshua. I'll wrap it as soon as I feel like I can. Genesis 18 and then Joshua. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Genesis 18, this is the story of Abraham, God, and Genesis 18, the angel of the Lord, speaking as the Lord, came and spoke to Abraham, spoke concerning Sarah, bearing a child, you remember all that? And down in verse 16, The men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom, and Abram went with them. Everybody say, Abram went with them. He's walking with the Lord, isn't he? He could have just waved by, but he's following them. 
and going with them toward wherever they're going. And the Lord said to him, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? I mean, everything about this bespeaks relationship. He said, Abraham is my friend. He said, I got to tell you what's about to happen here. How many understand that there are some people that's more in the know than others? There's some people closer to God than others. Just a fact. And it's not because God plays favorite. It's because some people desire it more than others. Right? Give him more time than others. More of their thoughts. More of their heart. He said, shall I hide the thing from Abraham which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great mighty nation. All the nations of the earth will be blessed in him. For what? Verse 19. For what? For what? I know him. I know him. God says, I know him. He will command his children and his household after him, and they will keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring on Abraham that which he's spoken of him. He said, I know him. He's not all talk. He's not just a Sunday Christian. I know him. I tell him to do something. He will see to it that everything under his hand complies with it. And he did. In verse 20, he tells him about the impending destruction and judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. In verse 23, Abraham drew near. And he says, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Now, who's he talking to? That's pretty bold. Keep reading. He said, what if there's 50 righteous in the city? Will you destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein? That'd be far from you to do after this manner. To slay the righteous with the wicked and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Whoa. Now who's he talking to? Mm. Why did he talk to him that way? There you go. Do you see these two sides here? God says, I know him. What did Abraham turn around and say? I know you. You, It's not like you to wipe out innocent people with wicked people in judgment. That's not you. How many know that's still not him? He's never changed. It's so sad that people don't know him and they think he's putting cancer on their babies. They think he's blowing away their house with a hurricane. They don't know him. I said they don't know him or they wouldn't say those things. He said, Lord, I know you. And what if we got 50 people there that's living right? Wouldn't you spare the place for them? Because it's not like you. How did he know it wasn't like him? It's not like you to destroy the righteous with the wicked. I mean, the judge of all the earth is going to do right, isn't he? Man, that's bold. I said, that's bold. But now, let me come across on this side. How many understand... The Lord heard it and received it. He didn't say, what do you mean, puny man, questioning me? No. That's why he brought it up to him. So he could have the opportunity to intercede for him. That's why he brought it up. He didn't have to tell him, you know. No, he said, you're right. You're right. If I find 50, 
Okay. I'll spare the whole thing for them. And you know the story. Abraham kept going. He said, well, what if we're five short? <laughs> and he kept on going. And you could tell towards the end, he knows I'm pushing it. Right? You know, he said, don't, don't be angry with me. But what if we can't find but ten? Now, let me say this. Could just anybody have come there and talked to the Lord like this? No, they couldn't. No. See, this is what people have not understood. They've just heard you can be bold and you can pray and we have authority. And they just blast out and say stuff and do stuff. And they don't have the relationship to back it up. I mean, there's some stuff Phyllis can say to me. That you can't get away with. <laughs> you understand what I mean by that? Why? Because we got history. We go back a long ways. She's been there for me. She's been faithful. I know where she's at. I know where her heart's at. She has a place. She could say some things. That other people couldn't say. And you've got such a confusion. You've got people that in their mind, they're going to put together the correctly ordered government of the church. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and they got it all in their mind. And somebody shows up. It's already happened here. Shows up and they're an apostle. And they're going to tell us how to run things around here. Well, we say, hey, uh, the Lord we know. God we know, the Holy Ghost we know, I know some apostles, but who are you? We've never seen you before. Yeah, but I'm an apostle, so that gives me a right to come in. No, it gives you nothing. You don't have a relationship. You didn't found this church. You didn't start this. But you see, people show up with the same thing. I'm a prophet. To who? Who are you? Right? What have you done? What have you built? What's your track record? You see, people don't even ask these things. Somebody writes a book and they put their name on the back with some letters on the end. And people think they're an expert. You need to ask questions. Who is this guy? Who is this woman? Where did they come from? What have they done? Right? How's their marriage? How's their kids? How's their finances? You need to ask these kind of questions. You need to look at them hard. What gives them a right to speak into my life? Who are they? Are you with me? Don't let somebody just come by and throw a title or two around and you just swallow everything they say. But we keep coming back to that now, don't we? It's about relationship. Right? Relationship. And can you see that through knowing him, Paul said, I know him. I know him. Jesus kept on talking about how he knew the Father and heard the Father. Through that comes this powerful faith walk. Comes these exploits of exercising authority. And it's not something you dreamed up or just spouted off uh, because it crossed your mind. You're working with him. I said, you're working with him. God said, I know him, Abraham. Abraham turned around and said, I know you. And I know this is not you. Not being righteous and fair is not you. And God said, you're right. (laughs) But the boldness, does that stir you? Does that appeal to you? 
Don't you desire to have a stronger and a closer place with the Lord? I remember Brother Hagin saying, Brother Kenneth Hagin saying that uh, there was a couple of things in his uh, life. One particular thing he knew in his spirit that his wife was near death. And this was way back when they were young. He knew in his spirit. And in praying about it, he didn't feel like he could get it changed. And he said, after months of this, he had a vision. He wrote it down in one of his books. And the Lord talked to him about some things about the kingdom and and revelation. Also, he told him, he said, "Uh, your wife's going to be all right. He said, this was going to happen, but because you asked me to. And another time, thing concerning his mom, he said, you know, the Lord told him, well, she'll have 10 more years because you asked me to. In other words, it wouldn't have been that way, but because you asked me to. I was telling Phyllis uh, the other day, some things came up and, and I was reminded of this when Brother Hagin's son, Ken Jr., was off in the military. And Brother Hagin said the Lord woke him up one night in the middle of the night, told him. He didn't know his son's on the other side of the earth. So the Lord told him, said, uh, because you obeyed me, your son will come home sound and whole. If you hadn't obeyed me, they'd have brought him back in the bag. He didn't know it, but that very night, his motorcycle ran off a mountain. And they just proclaimed it to be a miracle how he didn't perish and fall down the side of it. But did you hear that phrase? Because what? Because you obeyed me. Because you asked me to. See, this is not something happens in two days. Right? This is over months and years of walking with the Lord. And you're there for him. And you're there for him. How many understand you cannot be faithful to God. And he's not going to be faithful to you. No way. Paul said, I know him. Go to Joshua and I think I can close. People in throughout the Bible who were so bold with the Lord, they're not being arrogant. They just know who they're talking to. And you'll see people today, we're going to Joshua 10. You'll see people today, when they hear about us, going to rebuke disease. We're going to curse cancer. And we've done it, and it's been cursed too, many, many times. Dried up and left people. We've seen it. But a lot of people hear something like that, they think, Pah. Who do they think they are? Well, we know who we are. That's the difference. That's why it sounds so strange to them because they don't know who they are. They don't know who their God is. They don't have that relationship. And so that's why it sounds so foreign and so strange to them. It's about relationship. In Joshua, you see one of the most outstanding things along this line stirs my spirit when I think about it. Joshua, the 10th chapter. Joshua's leading the people of God to inherit their inheritance and they're fighting the enemy. And man, the enemy's giving them a rough time. And they begin to win though. But they run out of day. And just at the point where they're making the headway and they can go ahead and finish this thing up, they're going to run out of daylight and it's going to interfere with everything. But in Joshua 10 and verse 12, 
Then spoke Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel. I mean, he didn't mumble it. He didn't say it quietly in his heart. He said it out loud. Everybody heard him. He said, son, stand still right where you are. Moon, you stay right there over the valley of Agilon. And what happened? How many believe this is a fable? Just a legend, a story. That, or did it actually happen? Did it actually happen? He looked up. A man. A man. He looked up and he pointed to the sun. He said, son, you stay right there. Now normally the sun goes down. Right? Of course, as the sun's going down, you can see the moon sometimes. That's what he said. So moon, sun, you stand still. Moon, you stay right there. And he picked up his sword again and went back to fighting. And what happened? Verse 13. And the sun stood still. And the moon stayed. Till the people had avenged themselves on their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jeshur? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like it before or after that the Lord hearkened to the voice of a man. For the Lord fought for Israel. My, 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 my. Boy, this really begins to open up your eyes to see God made us to have dominion. He made us to rule and reign over this earth and all its elements. But people have lost that and they've not even thought like that. But here a man stands up, speaks to the son. I'm sure he had no idea what it took to do that. Because we found out since then that there's a whole solar system. <laughs> right? And out beyond that, other solar systems, planets spinning at incredible speeds with orbits around the sun. How do you do that? It affected the whole solar system, right? And the Bible said the Lord hearkened to a man. Listen to what a man said. Do you understand he's not praying? Did you hear this? He's not praying. He didn't say, oh God, if it's your will, give us some more time. No. He stands up. Son. Who's he talking to? Son. You stay right there. Moon. Stay right there. Now fight, boys. We're going to have some more time. (laughs) How much more? This is a man under the old covenant. A man who's not even born again. A man who's not filled with the Holy Ghost. A man who doesn't have the book of Romans to even tell him about ruling and reigning. How much more? You and I, born again. Spirit-filled, got the name of Jesus, the risen Savior who's authorized and sent us. Why can't we speak to cancer? Why can't we tell a fever to go? Why can't we call money to come in? Why can't we rule and reign? We can. 
if we know him. I said we can to the degree we know him. That's how far we'll rule and reign. Stand on your feet. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.